Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Psalm 63 this evening. Psalm 63. This message has three points. I don't have a poem. I'm going to do the first point. I'm tired too. I preached twice this morning. I'm not accustomed to preaching three times on Sunday. It's been a long time. I used to do that on a regular basis. Of course, when you're young, you do a lot of things. When you get older, you tend to wane in your abilities. Is that right? Y'all are as old as I am. You might as well admit, you know, that you, that you can't do, you know... These, I think I've said this, but these folks that run around and say they could do when they get to be 70 what they could when they were 35, they're just liars. I mean, they, there's, not, there's not a polite way to say it. <laughs> Psalm 63, let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being together in your house this evening. Thank you for being a God at hand and not afar off, for your unconditional, everlasting love for us, for the desire to be together in your house and your name, for the season of year that we have entered into, a time of thanksgiving, and we enter into that season of the year where our hearts turn with gratitude to your unspeakable gift to us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, may we not be so caught up in all the lights, the glitter, the tree and the gifts under the tree that we forget what was purchased on the tree, our eternal salvation. And this evening, Father, as we come to this portion of the Word of God, I ask that God the Holy Spirit would grant His fullness, His illumination, His enlightenment, His unction, and His anointing that I might be able to share with clarity these thoughts. Thank you for Dublin First Baptist, for all that she is engaged in around the world to touch hearts, that hearts might be open and receptive to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, may precious souls come to know who Jesus is as Lord and receive him. 
I ask you, Father, to minister to this fellowship and then through this fellowship to accomplish great things that bring praise to your name. And now I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. The pre-K class was having something of a field trip. Now, you can easily imagine that that was almost like herding cats. They were going to the gym to do gymnastics. When they arrived, all the children were to take their shoes and socks off and go out on the gym floor and engage in gymnastics. And the children were playing, doing gymnastics, all except one little fella. And he is standing there, looking around, not really paying attention to what's going on. The teacher walked over and said to him, wouldn't you like to take your shoes and socks off and join the other little boys and girls and do gymnastics? He looked at her just as solemnly as he possibly could and said this, No, I just signed up for the bus ride. Now, did you ever feel that there were times when everything was going well and then everything decided to fall apart? Did you ever feel as if your bus got in a ditch that everything in your heart in your life personally you thought was on track and everything was going along smoothly and then suddenly you discovered that your bus was in a ditch Now, you have some options if you find yourself there. Option one, you can sit there and whine and cry and bemoan the situation and blame the bus driver. And by the way, you're the driver of the bus. But you see, when we find ourselves in that situation we don't recognize that we are the driver of the bus. We don't even recognize that it is our bus that's in the ditch. Number two, you can fuss at other people on the bus. Number three, you can say, I'm going to get off this bus and leave this bus in the ditch They're greener pastures. I'm going somewhere else. 
Or number four, you can say, I'm going to help get this bus out of the ditch and get it back on track. Now, of those options, which do you conclude is the best? Number four, I think, is the best option. Well, all of us in life find ourselves on the bus in the ditch occasionally. It's life. Have you noticed that life happens? Everything is going well. All it takes is that one phone call. All it takes is that one thing. And we find ourselves in the ditch. What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to throw our hands up and say, that's it? I'm checking out. Lord, I didn't sign up for this. No. We all need strength and stability in life to stay a steady course. So where do we find it? I believe Psalm 63 has a word for us. And we're going to look at the first four verses this evening. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I believe that when you and I find ourselves in that situation where life throws us a curve, that the best thing that you and I can do is seek the Lord. Now, I know that sounds extremely simplistic, doesn't it? really does. It's like Jesus saying, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. Really elementary, isn't it? Well, if it is so elementary and so simplistic, then why in the earth do those of us who are mature in our faith and in our age, not grasp it and practice it more than we do. When life throws us a curve, the first thing we ought to be doing is seeking the Lord. Now David, in Psalm 63, is a fugitive. He is in the wilderness. 
But David is not the first nor the last to find himself in the wilderness. Hagar, Abraham, and Elijah found themselves in a wilderness. And in that wilderness there, they encountered the Lord. I believe it says this, at least to me, that one's physical location cannot determine the spiritual location of his heart unless he is willing for that to happen. You see, where I am physically cannot determine where I am spiritually unless I allow it. And David is saying, even though I am not where I am by my own choice, he has been driven by his enemies out in this wilderness. But David says, even though I've been driven into the wilderness, I am going to seek the Lord in this wilderness with a renewed passion. Now, I know, folks, that when you and I find ourselves in the midst and the mess of life, it's hard for us to turn our attention to the Lord and to seek Him. And that's when we need to seek Him the most. There are three things about seeking the Lord. First in verse 1, seeking the Lord is based upon a relationship. Look at it. Oh God... You are my God. Can you just hear the confidence of the psalmist? He is saying words that you can just hear the confidence in his voice. Oh God, you are my God. Now the atheist says, no God. The atheist is to be pitied in my opinion. They think they are superior. And they think when you and I reach their level that we will understand. You see, they think we are weak-minded and we must have a mental, spiritual crutch in order to get through the day. That's what they think. The atheist believes he is his own God. There is no God. Now the psalmist says, the fool says there is no God. So he has labeled himself, right? But the atheist says, no God. So to whom does he turn when life throws him a curve? In his discouragement, in his moments of despair... To whom does the atheist turn? He has no one to turn to except himself because he has set himself up as superior and his own God. He is to be pitied. Now, the polytheist says many gods. Today, Buddha can be God. 
Tomorrow, Mohammed God. Today, perversion is God. Tomorrow, greed is God. It just depends upon how I wake up in the morning. The believer, and only the believer, can say, Oh God, you are my God. And by the way, when you say, when you can say that, you've said it all. Oh God, you are my God. And when God is used as here in the adjective phrase, it is a sense of permanency. Now listen, folks. Leaders may come and go. Do you know that? Cameron McGill was here 18 years. He's not here anymore. Leaders may come and leaders may go. God is permanent. Things may falter and they may fail, but God is the same. Oh God, you are present tense. Words mean something, don't they? Oh God, You are, present tense, my personal God. Seeking the Lord is based upon a relationship, and that relationship is one that ought to be growing more and more intimate daily. A couple of things about this. Look at the time of this seeking. Early, early will I seek you. Now I confess to you that a hundred years ago, I was a night person. I was. I, Margaret, four kids. Twins, 14 months later, another one. Two years later, another one. I mean, you're stepping stones. We were kids ourselves. And uh, so anyway, doing church work, visitation, all that during the day. And I studied at night. But I had to wait until the kids and Margaret were in bed. The parsonage we lived in at the time had an extra bedroom furnished by the church. It was called the prophet's room. So when you had a revival, you could have the visiting preacher stay there. No visiting preacher ever wants to stay in the preacher's house. I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, And I would go in there about 12 o'clock at night, and I would stay in there until about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, that ought to tell you that I didn't get up at 6 o'clock. Somebody asked me one time about sunrise. I said, I saw one one time. Wasn't that impressed with it. (laughs) But things changed. Now I get up about 4 a.m., 
That's when I got up this morning. So why? Well, here's what I've learned for me. I can get more accomplished in two hours in the morning when what I have left up here is fresh than I can in six hours at night when this is tired. You see, he says, early will I seek you before my mind gets cluttered and crowded with the day's activities. Now, I don't know when you have your time with the Lord. It may be morning, noontime, afternoon, before you go to bed, whenever it is. For me, it happens to be the morning. But we all need that dew and freshness from the Lord. Early will I seek you. That says there's something about a priority. This is a priority with him. And it ought to be something of a priority with you and me. Early will I seek you. When we examine anyone to be ordained, I always ask them about their devotional life. I would never recommend any man to be ordained who didn't have a devotional life. You say, now, Dr. White, that's a little harsh. No, folks, that's not harsh. Any man who says he's called of God and doesn't have a devotional life shouldn't be ordained. Now, that's a strong opinion, but it's mine. Priority. And then look. Not only is there a priority, but there's a person who says, early will I seek what? You. You. Seeking the Lord. Not blessings, but the blesser. Not a gift, but the giver. Seeking you. Seeking the Lord. Spending time with the Lord. If you love someone, you desire to spend time with them, right? You sure do. You love hearing from them. And you love communicating with them. Now, those of you that have been married as long as Margaret and I have been married, you can almost complete one another's sentences, can't you? Yes, you can. Well, you love communicating and hearing from the Lord. That's the time of the seeking. And then if you look further, you see the totality of it. He says, my flesh. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This is a picture 
I wish I could adequately describe it. It is a picture of a longing, loving heart. My flesh longs for you. Just like a man longs for water when he is thirsty. Now thirst is that insatiable longing and desire for water. Water is the only thing that will quench thirst. Nothing else will do it. Coffee won't, tea won't, Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi won't do it. Only water will quench thirst. And when he uses the word soul and flesh here, it means this is totally where I am in my seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord is based upon a relationship that is personal and that grows more intimate. But there's a second thing in seeking the Lord. It brings a request. Now, I really prefer the way Old King James has verse 2. I'm going to give it to you as best I can. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. David is not in the sanctuary at this time. David is in the wilderness. The request is this. I have been in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. I'm not there now. I desire to see a manifestation of your almightiness where I am, not in the sanctuary. I'm in the wilderness. It wasn't a time for David to sit around and remember the good old days. He remembered what it was like. But it, he wasn't there. And he wasn't wanting to just remember what it was. He wanted to experience afresh and anew. If you've ever been in a service where the Spirit of the Lord was moving And God was real and mighty. Nobody didn't have to tell you, did they? No, God, nobody didn't have to tell you that God was at work, did they? If you've ever been in a revival, you knew God was at work. When I pastored the First Baptist Church, I know you all find that strange, but I pastored two First Baptist Churches. When I pastored the First Baptist Church of Wesley Chapel, Florida, God smiled on us. 
Can't explain it. God smiled. We were going to have revival. The preacher was a Bible preacher. Preached the word. Nothing outstanding. Just a Bible preacher. The singing was good. Nothing outstanding. Just singing. It was going to go Sunday morning through Wednesday night. God moved. People were being saved. I couldn't explain what God was doing. And so, we went on Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night and the next Sunday morning and Sunday night and the next Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And the next Sunday morning, I baptized the most people I'd ever baptized at once in my whole ministry. I baptized 36 people at one time, or at that service. And 90 people came into the church. Just God. Just God. That's as close to revival as I've ever been in my ministry. And you know what this preacher did to show you how carnal we can get? The next year, <clears throat> I tried to duplicate what we did. And it was one of the biggest failures you ever saw in your life. You can't duplicate what God chooses to do. Impossible. You just can't do it. God smiled, and his grace abounded, and it was absolutely heaven. There was such an atmosphere of God's presence. And I believe David is saying, Lord, manifest your power, your almightiness. I'm not in the sanctuary. I'm here. I desire to see your power and your glory as I have seen it in the sanctuary. Now what God has done is marvelous. We desire to see what God is going to do in the present. The third thing about seeking the Lord, it begets a response in verse 3 and 4. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. There are two responses. And the first is praise. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. I am going to talk about the goodness of God. Being in your presence, 
is better than life. One of the surest ways to put the enemy to flight is to praise the Lord. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people and he cannot, the enemy cannot tolerate praise. So well, I, don't, I just don't know how to praise. I don't know what to praise him for. The next time you get find yourself headed for the dumps, just begin to praise the Lord. Praise him for the blood of Jesus. Praise him that the tomb is empty. Praise him that Jesus Christ is alive. Praise him that Jesus is coming again. Just begin to praise the Lord. Say, well, I don't feel like it. Your, your feelings will catch up with you. Now, the enemy will flee. He'll be back, but praise the Lord. That's what he says. I'm going to praise the Lord. And then the second response is prayer. I lift up my hands in your name. And it's this way. This is the way they prayed. Hands outstretched, open like this. Ready to receive and to respond. Ready to receive what the Lord has to say. Ready to respond. Rick and I were talking throughout the Word of God. The pathway of blessing is always marked with obedience. Simple obedience. And if you and I are ready to receive what the Lord has to say and to respond to him in obedience. I lift up my hands in your name. That is recognizing that we are dependent upon him for all things. All things come from him. I read this story. Man came home from work. It's been a very frustrating day for him. And he came in. And he sat down in his favorite chair. And his little girl came up to him and she was trying to get him to help her with the states. And he pointed some out and, and told her to go figure it out. And she came back and go figure it out and he picked up a magazine and opened it up and it had a map in it. And he got the scissors and he cut that map up into pieces and he said, Sugar, here's a puzzle. He said, you put this puzzle together and you'll know about the states. And she went in there and came back in a few minutes and said, Daddy, here's a, here are the states. He was just absolutely dumbfounded. He said, how did you manage to put that together that quickly? And she said, Daddy, on the back of the states was a picture of Jesus. 
And I just put Jesus in his place. And everything else fell in its place. Now, folks, that's it. If you and I put Jesus in his place, everything else will fall into its place. So when life throws you a curve, be sure Jesus is in his place. Right? Father, thank you for your word. The privilege.